is a Bramble Jam podcast. Hi, what happened? Our ma- all male, our male person just got here. That's very funny. Yeah, I, I also you, should. You couldn't hear no. her. No, she was shouting no. hello over and over again, ah, and you wow, were just rolling so along like. What did she have? Something called carousel cakes. Like yeah. Someone sent us a yeah. cake. They're called carousel cakes. That's all I know. I don't know anything else. I hope this will be at the end of the podcast in the outtakes. That's all I. That's all I hope. Hi, I'm Bran, and I love Hallmark mysteries. I'm Dan, and I despise Hallmark mysteries. I'm John, and I write Hallmark mysteries. And, and this, this is, is the Deck the Hallmark, Hallmark podcast. podcast. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. Here we are. A special Friday interview. And all I'm going to be thinking about this whole episode is carousel, carousel cakes. Carousel cakes. And what are they? Mm. But we'll get there. We're going to try to give John Christian Plummer our best. But carousel cakes are on deck. Let's just be clear. <laughs> At least you don't have to follow carousel cakes, John. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, who it's, can? I should, though, now. Maybe I'll get a free one delivered like you guys do. Right. So I, I want to say this, and I know you, you're the host of the show, but no, we had we're, six. Hey, we're co-hosts. So that's fair. I like it. Six people, no less than six, and I have names, addresses, and phone numbers, who said that they would burn this studio to the ground if we didn't get answers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so We talked about Mystery <laughs> 101 yesterday, that's right. and the emails came in, and they I said, mean, if come you on. guys don't do the hard-hitting journalism that's stuff, right. Then, then we're not going to listen anymore. And, and so, so we got him. We got him. We got the guy responsible for all of your nightmares. Uh, responsible for the fact that Jill Wagner and Chris Palaha, as we sit right now, are not together. Well, as we sit in 11 months from now, That's technically. Right. The most we know is yeah. that they are not together. That is the most we know. And that, I don't know if you know this, guys, but on the, in the Hallmark world, to end a movie with the two leads not together, this may be the first time that that's happened in modern Hallmark history. Like, not, I mean, I'm after movie of the week where ABC would buy them, but since Hallmark became its own channel, I don't know if we have another one of these. Yeah, and so first question is, who do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't think about it in those terms, but who do I think I am? I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm the one who's fortunate enough to write Mystery 101 and who, you know, is really extremely fortunate to have Heather Overton and Emily Merle and my incredible producers supporting me in... In this time I mean, of need? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I was gonna, no, no. I mean, we're great. We're, everybody's excited. I mean, you know, th- there's no such thing as bad press, right? So I love just, it. They, I mean, the fact I was following on Twitter, you know, on, on Sunday night when the show premiered and, you know, people are tweeting, we're trending at 27. And then, uh, you know, at, an hour later, we were trending at 19. Look, had, One hour later, we had actually the enthusiasm had increased for, for the show. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm using the word enthusiasm yes. uh, intentionally, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, 
But yeah, no, no, but what I meant about it, about Heather and Emily is their incredible support in letting us do, you know, this kind of, uh, tell this kind of a story, which isn't all um, neat and tidy, like, you know, kind of like life. What? Right. So. Get out of here. Now, John Christian Plummer, we do have other questions. Uh, do we, we, we'll get, I, I think, let's get to know him first. Let's do that. I don't want to. Before we bombard him and, right. and you know run him off let's, let's but but here's the thing you gotta know this john yesterday on the show i said it's the best mystery they've ever done it's the best one they've ever done not mystery 101 hallmark it's the best mystery hallmark's ever done uh that and another one you pinned uh i believe it was dead talk i think those two i think yes. stand above uh by and large the rest of what i've watched on the movies and mysteries channel and so i'm Which happy one is uh is wizard skills Wizard skills? What? Uh, the, uh, what is that one? Oh gosh, I that know. line. Some kid says wizard skills, and we. That, that's in debt. That's in debt. Uh, see, that's why it's the yeah. best one, man. That's why it's yeah. bad. I love we that. We played line. that clip numerous times. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Um, so you can go back and listen to that, John, on your spare time. But before then, let's yeah. do get to know him. Yeah, sure. really. Who do you think you are? But in like the real sense, like, who, who are, are you? you? Uh, what's your story? How'd you get into writing and all that stuff? Oh my goodness! I mean, I got into writing. Uh, I had a theater company, I had a Shakespeare company that I had started right after college. And, you know, we had some ideas for shows that we wanted that didn't exist. So I was like, well, I guess I'll write that, you know, <laughs> and uh, I, you know, really didn't think of myself as a writer at all, but that's really how, that's really how writing started. And then I, you know, of course I had always, always loved writing and literature and especially dramatic literature. I was an actor and a director. Uh, and an artistic director of this fledgling Shakespeare company. But I, I never, I think I never, it took a long time for me to think of myself as a writer. Um, and eventually I, 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 I did. What's and here the, I am. What's you know. the best Shakespeare play, John? Oh boy. <laughs> um, what a, that's, that's a great question, Ben. <laughs> I, I, I will tell you my, you know, they're all so brilliant, you know, even King John, but, I think my 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 most favorite. I've directed Twelfth Night three times. Uh, it's very near and dear to me. I think it's a beautifully complex, um, hilarious comedy about death and grief. And um, but I, for my money, I think the best one is Winter's Tale, um, or Much Ado About Nothing. It's, <laughs> it's maybe it's maybe a tie between Much Ado About Nothing and Winter. In fact, I was referencing Much Ado About Nothing to some of our fans uh, on, you know, that I was communicating with on Instagram because they were so distraught that, you know, <laughs> Amy and Travis, you know, that things seem so dark for Amy and Travis. And I said, well, please just, I refer you to act four, scene one of Much Ado About Nothing, where, you know, things are as, as grim as they could possibly be for our, our heroes. And then, that play manages to end with, I think, one of the most extraordinary conclusions about the, the, the true nature of love in, in, an, in an incredibly affirming but honest and well-rounded way that you could ever imagine. So, yeah, anyway. the, the, the night is always darkest before the dawn is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, no, no. Totally yeah. get it. It's a great answer. You gave us five Shakespeare plays, so that's a great answer. How, uh, <laughs> how has uh, kind of your love of Shakespeare and the theater influenced uh, the writing of a Hallmark mystery, which is, let's be honest, like... <laughs> 
<laughs> right up there with Shakespeare, typically Homer yeah. movies and mysteries. The pros. But how, how has that kind of, the, the world that you've been in for so long with Shakespeare, how has that influenced your writing when it comes to shaping a good mystery? Well, you know, it's funny because, of course, you know, he is the greatest writer, certainly in our language, um, no question. So it's a very, very high bar to view him as a mentor, which I certainly do, is a very high bar. But I think the thing about him is, you know, first of all, um, his capacity to, you know, what we would say today, mash genres, you know, where, you know, you get to play like Hamlet, right, which is, you know, well, well you know, known around the world as the greatest tragedy of all time. It's an incredibly funny play. There is so much humor in that, so much dark humor, so much naughty, dirty, foul, you know, <laughs> sexual humor, right? And, and and so so that so certainly for me, like writing Mystery 101, the ability to go, you know, to veer from, you know, things that are romantic to things that are just flat out funny to things that are really dark and heavy and serious. I, I think that that's certainly, um, you know, studying Shakespeare and directing Shakespeare has helped me a lot with that. And then I also think just dramatic structure. I mean, he, he really is um, the master of dramatic structure and, and, you know, you, we have to be mindful of that very much in these writing these movies. And this, so. this last, uh, episode of mystery 101 does get pretty dark, which I'm excited to talk about but before we do um, you, you are incredibly well-spoken and you know, you're Shakespeare and I'm not saying this in any way that it's going to be taken, but how did you get to Hallmark? Like, how does, how did you great, great question? How'd Very you get there? Question. How did you get right. from it's, directing it Shakespeare? Like an and, odd fit. Yeah. 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 So I, um, so in, in Hollywood, when you have a manager like I do, I have a wonderful manager named Bradford Bricken. I have to, I have to credit him. He okay. introduced me to uh, Bradford. 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 He, he's, he's from Tennessee, by the way. I don't All know right. where you guys hail from. We're All South right. Carolina, so close by. All right. Cl close enough. Uh, so anyway, Bradford uh, introduced me to this incredible uh, executive named Mary Beth Sprose, who was at a company at that time called Paulist Productions, which was a production company set up by the Paulist fathers. And, um, and he just thought I would be a good fit with them for whatever reason. And they had read a, 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 script, a spec script that I had written. We had a great meeting and we ended up developing a show together never were able to get that set up. But then Mary Beth moved on from Paulist and went to Hallmark and she was an executive there and she brought me in on, on, she had read a bunch of stuff that I'd written and she, you know, and she knew that I had done this series called Granite Flats for, uh, improbably BYU TV. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, but Man, it was really, a, all makes a, sense a wonder, now. <laughs> it, it was, it was like an incredible, show because they they let us be really dark with this i mean this was a show of set in a small town in colorado in the early 60s but you know when i came on board i pitched to them that it would be about mk ultra which was wow. the secret cia LSD. mind control program right. right exactly testing drugs on you know some unwitting subjects but a lot of witting subjects including servicemen and and so i thought you know this this is this is what's going on in this small town and, you know, mysteries and blah, blah, blah. But um, it was, the show was a mystery show. You know, it had this whole mystery element in terms of driving it. And, uh, and so 
she knew she knew me from that show and she i think she just thought i would be a good fit and of course she knew that i love literature and and so she had this project this script that was really handed to her that had been developed and written but it was not what anybody wanted it to be and that's what became mystery 101 Um, and because because amy was a literature professor um nominally at least in the original drafts um i i was brought i think i was brought on board and thought it was thought i would be a good fit and i turned out to be a decent fit. a great fit john how dare you a great fit and is that why in imdb it says written you your credits for mystery 101 are written by four episodes teleplay two, story one is that is that how well, that breaks am, down uh, yeah i'm not sure how I, I i'm not quite sure how imdb credits things and i mean i, I mean i wrote them all i've, I've got the teleplay teleplay excuse me credit on all seven of them at this point um well actually i share the teleplay credit on dead talk with my friend jim biederman but um but uh, yeah, I have the teleplay credit on on all of them. I, you know, I have I have a shared story credit with the original writers of the first of the first draft. one. That makes sense. Yeah. Have you yeah. had uh, any desire to dabble uh, with a Hallmark Channel proper script, more romantic, uh, little less mystery? Have you thought about that since you're already a little kind more of, ado, a little less nothing? Uh huh. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and any of that uh, percolating in the brain. Yeah, yeah, no, actually, I mean, uh, I have been high. I, I've, I'm writing one. I, oh, I'm okay. Of, hey. I'm, I'm in the middle of writing one. Uh, yes, I was brought on again to do a rewrite of one that is a fall romantic comedy, and it, it's really so. You know, I'm in the middle of it, and I'm, I'm actually waiting for notes back from, <laughs> from our executives, but it's. Uh, actually really delightful a delightful challenge for me and i really you know i'm a you know much ado i I love shakespeare i love romantic comedy i love banter and uh you know i also i'm a huge nora efron fan and uh so you know to me again i'm always trying to raise the bar and bring things up and uh that's what i'm working on with this one do they break up at the end of that one or is that just <laughs> exclusively for mr it ends in uh it ends in a, a murder suicide yes. no i'm joking i'm joking, <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah. but again too i i hope that you know if if this one you know goes the distance we'll see you never know in hollywood but if this one goes the distance you guys can can judge and uh if you think it it you know presents a more um uh, what's the way to put this? You know, a more three-dimensional, a, a more uh, you know, more layered um, version of what human life is. So, and, and you know, I know we'll see. We have to talk about mystery one one, but every, this guy is chooses his word so carefully that I really want to just try to trip him up and make him say something he's not supposed to say. Like that part of me just wants to do that instead. Um, but I we love it. we need yeah, to talk I'm about completely on board. Well, my my mom challenge. was an English teacher, and and I was a history teacher, which is they, those are not great credentials, but it's enough to recognize eloquence, and you, oh. you're doing a great job. So, uh, the we have to talk about mystery one hundred and one, right? Um, there's seven of these bad boys. It's Travis. It's Amy. They somehow Travis gets jurisdiction no matter where he is. And no questions are asked. <laughs> um, and, and these. Well. 
Go ahead. I think questions are asked. I mean, I, I think in my defense, in well, the defense of the script, well, questions are Well, then asked. let me just start with this then. If if you, uh, you know, were covering up a 20-year-old murder and were a cop, um, would you let Travis have jurisdiction? Well, keep your enemies closer, right? I mean, it's it, that, that's what, that's the, that's the principle that Harry is working on. Like, you know, keep, keep your enemies closer. He needs to find this guy. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, obviously this is a spoiler. Oh yeah. Spoiler we, we'll say that at the beginning. Right? I'm sure. Spoil- okay. cool, yeah, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah. But so, so, right. So, so he needs to find Al and Al Winslow and, you know, why not get some, some help from the big city you know, from big city uh, <laughs> on, on the way. But, but of course he's quite confident that he'll, you know, get there. Out Foxham, if you will. Yeah. Um, yes, well, you did it. There's one other time where I believe Travis's partner, that might be in Dead Talk. It might be a different one. That, Travis's that partner. Is in de- that is yeah. in your beloved Dead That's Talk. That's right. And yes. that one, that yes. one makes sense. Like that one I'm on board with. Uh, but, but this yes. one I was like, this guy just, you wouldn't do it. Like, I just can't imagine a world where I'm covering up this long standing thing. And I'm like, yeah, dude, come on in, sniff around. Like it was just, it was hard for me to swallow a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but he's always, but he's always with them. He's always on top of things. Yeah. And again, it really is the principle of keep your enemies closer. I mean, they've flown three thousand miles to to try to, you know, stick their beaks into this. And I think Harry's sentiment is, they're going to do this whether I whether I give them permission or not. Better to keep them, you know, velcroed to me. All right. That's what I'm talking about. Um, so there's seven of these now. Um, I know sometimes they 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 shoot them back to back, or they're working on a couple at a time, or whatever. How far in advance um, do you kind of have not just the story for an individual movie, but like the overall arc? Or to ask this question, like how far in advance did you come up with like the ending of? Uh, the latest mystery 101 like how far are you planning this scope of these two characters um within the larger story that is mystery 101 well it's it it's very much um you know the only time we've ever really written two really at the same time were uh was with with words can kill and dead talk and which are numbers three and four and that's why my friend jim came in to sort of help me at least with the first draft of dead talk and then i took over um because we were just in a time crunch but normally you know we're doing these really one at a time that that's the model that that's the production model that they work on and um we all that that said i do um at least Pre-COVID, I would pitch them like three ideas in advance. These are this is what I think are the next three, and then they, you know, say thumbs up or thumbs down on that. But now that we're really starting to, you know, grow into these characters and l- allow the show to arc more, um, we're we're not really. I mean, I will be honest with you; they didn't know the ending. When you know when the, when I had pitched the outline version of uh, Deadly History to to Heather and Emily, there was no cliffhanger ending. You know, we had put a cliffhanger ending in the one before, sort of a soft cliffhanger that right. uncle the uncle was missing. When I 
you know, they came back with the notes and they said, we hope you're going to put a cliffhanger in this one because that worked really well. Okay. And, and just really let me go. So when I sent in the draft, it was there. So you didn't have to uh, fight for this. You didn't have to go in and say, Hey, this is a really great idea. We should do it. They just, they are the ones that kind of prodded you for this is what you're saying. That, that is correct. Yes. I mean, they really wanted a, a cliffhanger and I really gave them one. Yeah, you did. Um, and, uh, and, and so, I, so Brent, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but I, you know, I knew some things about what would happen now and what we're calling number eight, uh, which I'm in the middle of writing right now. Um, but you know, the 11 year time jump was, or sorry, 11 month. <laughs> what do you do? Let, yeah. Let's cut that right there. Just put it in there. The 11 year time, you're going to freak the, some the, people the, out. But when you write that, time. when you write that mm -hmm. cliffhanger, mm -hmm. do you know, did you know where you wanted to go with it? Or was it, Hey, here's an idea. I'm just going to throw it in there. The movie will get made and then I'll think about it. So you know, or at least I know roughly where I, I don't, I certainly would not say I know all of the details, but I certainly know emotionally what's going on with the characters and why they're in this place emotionally. And, um, you know, but part of it, part of the fun challenge, and this I learned from another great writing mentor, Charles Dickens, is <laughs> creating the cliffhanger and not knowing where the story's going. And then you, you have to get out of it. And that's, and that's exact. So when you do that, and I used to explain this in writing, when I was teaching writing, that you want to put yourself in the same position as the characters, right? Like, so, uh, you know, if you're in a, you know, if you're in a dramatic bind, if you've put yourself literally, quite literally in a dramatic bind where you don't know where the story goes, well, that's exactly what the situation is your characters that's are right. in too. Yep. And then, and then, and now you're aligned with them in a way that you wouldn't be when you're some, you know, omniscient, you know, puppet master that's controlling everything. No, that's no, that, that doesn't exist. Yeah. So let me ask you this. That's a great answer, by the way. Uh, you get there, there was a regime change at Hallmark over the span of mystery one Oh one. Um, and that regime change, I'm not putting you on the spot to answer for all of Hallmark. I would never, I would probably do that, but not to you. I would <laughs> not do it, but I, 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 there has been a, a stark difference in what's allowed to be put on Hallmark now versus what was allowed to be put on Hallmark pre 2020. Mm -hmm. um, mm. Did you notice that change in what you were allowed to do? Cause I just, I just feel like, like we've seen it on the, in the Hallmark channel side, not the mystery side on the mm -hmm. Hallmark channel side, but this movie, not only does it have a cliffhanger that scoots 11 months forward, they've broken up. You know, one of them is engaged, perceived at least some people think that's not real. We can get to that in a little bit, but, and, and there's a good, a good guy, quote unquote, in this movie of yours, Al, that is having an affair. Like mm, the, yes. this is, these are things that you're just, we've been watching these movies longer than I care to admit. They, they just weren't present before 2020. And so did, have you noticed out whether it's a freedom or just a general, uh, you know, steering of the ship in a way that allows you to do these kind of things that wasn't available before 2020. Definitely. Yes. There's without question. I think though, with even the first one, 
part of the mandate for me, and I think why Mary Beth Sprose brought me on to write Mystery 101 was because they they were already wanting to go you know, darker. That that was the word they used. They said, we, we, this can be more grown up. This can be more complicated. Um, and so they, they were already moving in that direction, but I've certainly, I mean, even to the point where on the, the rom the romantic comedy I I'm, I'm working on, the executive said to me, please write this when you tackle the draft, write this for the new hallmark, not the old hallmark. Oh, I, I mean, those are, those are the words she used. And I think, and so, yes, I, I've certainly noticed that there are strictures around some of the behavior of just as you see some of the quote unquote good characters and the quote unquote bad characters that they're actually all they're 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 allowed to just be characters, which is wonderful. Right? I mean, we have and this was a bit. Right. And this was a mandate for me for, that I presented to them from the beginning, from the first Mystery 101, which is I want our audience to watch this and say, OK, I don't approve of murder, of course. <laughs> yes. Right. However, however, <laughs> I however, I do sympathize with the murderer and to and because, you know, without that, then why do we care? Then it just then it's just an intellectual exercise, and yeah. and that's that's boring. Well, that actually is. I mean, I think even the character of Travis Burke comes in with a very hardened edge that has kind of cooled over the as he's gotten to know uh, Amy, which is another cool thing. Is he has a past that's pretty intense and pretty dark that I think on another network you would get to see some flashbacks of him doing some things you wouldn't approve of. That'd be my guess, and I hope that's how you wrote it because that's how it came across. But my question is. How do you write, like, I know this is going to sound like a terrible question, but how do you write yeah. these? Like, not not like, let me get my storyboard out, here's what should happen, but I've watched a lot of Hallmark Mysteries, and it's just people explaining things. Like, that's basically what happens in these movies, and it's necessary because you have 83 minutes to tell a mystery that's elaborate and complex and labyrinthine, and so many times story is shortchanged for okay this person was here because of this and she said this and she said like and, and there's a lot of ellipses and then ellipses and then when people are talking and by and large and yours has some of that because it's a hallmark mystery but by and large you've eschewed some of that for actual action and, and and so what goes into that do they do you write a lot of action do they push back or is what you give them, you know, usually good when you send it to them and, and they can just film it. Oh, no. I mean, so to give credit where it is due, I, you know, the producers, as I mentioned, the directors of, of each episode, there's lots of feedback and, you know, and, and notes and we go back and forth and, you know, and it's also as far as the action stuff goes. Yes. A lot of times I'll I'll set a pretty high bar for action. And sometimes they'll say, we can't do that. You know, we don't have time. We don't have money. Um, and sometimes they'll say the opposite. They'll say, hey, can we turn this into more of an action scene? Oh, wow. Which is great. Yeah. yeah. Which has really, really been great. Um, and again, I think we tried to establish that from the first one is that there was going to be, you know, real action going on in this, you know. But so as far as the your first the first part of your question of of how do you. <laughs> not just make these one exposition dump after another. <laughs> I think that 
the key again is voice. Each one, each one of these characters has to have their own voice. They're they're individual people. And so what I've tried to do with each subsequent mystery one-on-one is not only hear the voice of Travis as his voice, the voice of Amy as her voice, Graham as him, you know, Graham, I love, and I think Robin. Robin Thomas is wonderful. Oh my gosh. I mean, I just love him. But, but also with each, you know, guest character, you know, I don't, you know, each one of them has to have a, have their own voice, their own way of speaking. And, you know, I mean, like, like in this, episode you know having Sinead be from Ireland you know she's married to an Irish American guy she's you know it's like it's not just accents I'm not talking about that but I'm just saying that each person has to have their own way of expressing themselves and then also their own way of behaving of getting what they're after so even if it's a detective trying to get after an answer every detective's going to have a different way of doing that right of yeah. getting at an answer and and uh and then, of course, there's the mystery, the the bigger mystery that undergirds all the, you know, the, the whodunit, which is what's the mystery of Travis and Amy? And when will that, you know, which I think is the mystery that a lot of fans have returned for is when will they get together? When will they admit they love each other? When will they kiss? When will they, you know, all these things. Now we've, you know, certainly proven that people like that story a lot yeah. <laughs> the, you um <clears throat> you have this cliffhanger which is quite the cliffhanger but right before the cliffhanger and i think the thing that sets up the cliffhanger uh for being as powerful as it is is the the expression of love both of them saying i mm-hmm. love you for the first time cut to 11 months they're broken up and she's engaged. And she's engaged. And can we? You confirm that she was in actually engaged in those eleven months. <laughs> well, as I mean, you you saw the show. Oh, saw the you, show. you know the tra- You know the Travis says that's Amy's fiance. Yes, right. And we Sam, went back. Sam we took Jameson it to the tape. Is Amy's fiance? Yeah. We, we took it. We to took the it tape. to the tape. It didn't say was. It says is. Right. So that means she's engaged. After they say I love you to each other, okay. Yes, just want to make sure. Okay, but my my point is, uh, yeah, you we you dodged know, that one pretty well. <laughs> you were you were uh, told, hey, make sure you have a cliffhanger. Was did you always want them to say I love you at the end of this one, or was the idea for the cliffhanger did it kind of push you in that direction to kind of make that cliffhanger as powerful as it was? Like, hey. It would really be a humdinger if they uh, were broken up, but right before we see that, they finally say, I love you. What came first, the chicken or the egg, I guess, is what I'm asking here. The, the I love you, and then, <laughs> hey, I have this cliffhanger, or the cliffhanger forced you to kind of say, I love you, to make the cliffhanger powerful? Mm. Wow, what a great question, Brent. Okay. Uh, to answer it, I'm not dodging the answer, but I want to step back for a second and as everyone knows who watches these these shows if you know you're so fortunate to be able to get to do more like we are with mystery 101 everyone knows the the challenge of keeping that tension going between two people who clearly are attracted to each other who are clearly intellectual soulmates if not you know romantic soulmates and and the question is when will they get together and the longer you can pull that tension out the better but it you can't do it in a way that feels manipulative like oh this is just the writer and the producers trying to not let them get together uh so 
the only, so then you have to go inside the characters and you have to figure, you know, you have to reveal along the way, which I think we've been doing quite well. These are as wonderful and beautiful as, <laughs> as Jill and Chris are physically. Uh, they, and as brilliant as Amy is and as clever as Travis is, these are not, these are damaged people. Yep. These are people that have pain in their lives, hurt in their lives, and there are reasons that they are not getting together. And it has to come from them. It can't come from the channel, you know, this imaginary channel that doesn't exist in their hearts and minds. You have to go from their hearts and minds. So, so anyway, that, so just, I just wanted to do that step back and explain <laughs> right. that uh, larger thing. So by the seventh movie, this heaven's story that we're following them, it very naturally, and I think quite organically, because this story was about family, mm. so much about family. And, and we've, known, we've known a lot about Amy's family from the jump. We've known how important her father is to her. We've known how important her mother, who's deceased, is to her, the lot, how much the loss of her mother has meant to her. We knew that from the get-go. We have... We have Never talked about Travis's family except for his his failed marriage, uh, you know, which we addressed very head on. But but we never talked about that until this one, and right. it's come up and it's come out. And what we you know in the course of this one, I think we really are, they the two of them really came to the point where they realized how deeply they do love each other. And it's not just that I think you're incredibly cute. I have a huge crush on you. I like solving. I like doing this exciting, adrenaline-inducing work with you. That's all true. But there's something even deeper than that I, that I think this story brought out in both of them. So that's what earned us. It. That's what got them to saying I love you. It's. It's. The fact that that juxtaposed well with the cliffhanger where they are clearly not together, where she is clearly with, has been with someone else who is also now clearly quite dead, um, is to, you know, obviously throws it, it. The fact that that's a nice juxtaposition probably led me to that cliffhanger, but it probably came out of I love you, not out of. Um, some need to manipulate the audience and make them feel bad. John, you, uh, that's a great answer. You're speaking to my soul here, like damaged characters, characters that are flawed, like people that are actually human beings. This is wonderful. Uh, you know that a good chunk of Hallmark viewers, they watch this to escape damaged characters. And I'm not mm. one of those viewers. I'm with you. Mm. But for instance, I have an actual comment I'm going to read to you, John. Sure, sure. Uh, and it says, and just like that, my favorite comfort watch is Kersplat. <laughs> one more, one more thing to have anxiety about. That is what this person. Oh. So what? What do you? What do you say to somebody who's just there to turn their brain off for an hour and a half? Well, I would. I first of all, I would say to them, beautiful use of the uh, word Kersplat. Yes. I mean, that is some phenomenal onomatopoeia. Um, the I would also say that I think the reason you feel so comforted by Travis and Amy and Graham is not because they don't truck with 
you know, the horrors of life. I mean, what is possibly more horrible than than homicide? Nothing. I mean, that is that is surely our greatest crime. So it's not it's not that it's the reason you're so comfortable with them or they provide you such comfort is because they are complicated people and that uh, and that's why you might be more comforted by them than you might uh, two other characters and some other hallmark thing and and why you might feel so hurt and wounded by what what you witnessed in those closing you know 60 seconds or however long it is but i would say to comfort that person the love that you feel for them which obviously they feel for each other do you really think that a love that strong is not going to somehow find a way to move forward in the future, right? Yeah. Do you really think that? That's what I would ask that person. Yeah. Like, do you really, really not believe, uh, you know, I, I, in fact, I, I quoted Matthew 8, 26, uh, where Christ says, <laughs> oh, go. ye of little faith, oh, <laughs> ye of little faith, you know? He's really remonstrating against his apostles. Come on. Get with it. Believe more. That's what you're being tested. You're being tested and believe, you know. So anyway, Re Reverend Plummer bringing the good word. Uh, <laughs> I, I do want to tell you, John, that for, for, for the record, by the way, for the record, I'm a pra I'm a practicing SGIist who chants Nam Yoho Renge Kyo every day. But I are you I serious? Have great reverence for my Christian brothers and sisters. Yeah, I'm wow. completely serious. Okay, there you have it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I couldn't yeah. tell. It was your screen froze, and the way you said it without the audio, without the visual, was a little weird. Uh, I wanted. <laughs> I would not have brought that quote up uh, if I didn't have a happy ending for you, uh, John. That quote is from one of our subscribers on Bramble Jam Plus. We have a chat for all the movies in on our Facebook group that's private. And she actually came back to the chat and and screenshotted your bunch of do about, about nothing act four thing and said, this makes more sense. Um and I, I, uh, I'm, I'm on board. I'm, I'm back on board, and everything's okay. So you, you won her back over wow. with your diligence and your expertise. So, so don't feel like you gave anyone oh, anxiety. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like again, like wouldn't you? I mean, if these are characters that you really love, if you really love them, wouldn't you? I mean, think about you know. I don't know if you guys are dads, but you know, every every scraped knee, every. Every, you know, my, every heartbreaking, heartbroken relationship that your kids have, you know that that's making them stronger. That's making them stronger. So to me, the way I would look at it with, you know, again, with complicated, well-rounded people like Amy and Travis, yes, they're clearly in the briar patch right now. But, uh, you know, that's what, you know, ingenuity is the way out. That's and right. they have plenty of that. I love it. I want to ask you one more question and we'll, we'll start to wrap up, I think. Um, not only is Mystery 101, uh, we think, the best written of the mysteries. It also, it also happens to have uh, two of the best actors from an like just phenomenal. And we talked about it on yesterday's episode, but the scene where Travis is opening up about his uh his parents. Fa his parents yeah. is uh one of the m most impressively acted scene on both ends between chris and jill it's just phenomenal how much of a 
I don't know, weight is off your shoulders knowing that you're writing for like just the, those people. Like you're, you're not like, there has to be a little bit of a, like you can breathe a sigh of relief knowing that the words that you are writing and spending so much time on are in the hands of Palaha and Joe Wagner. Oh yeah. I mean, to answer your question, however much of a weight, uh, a gigantic heavy weight weighs <laughs> several tons, uh, you know, a several ton weight is off my shoulders because of those two. I mean, for real, it's just, it's such a joy. It, and, 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 and rather than the weight being off my shoulders, a, a great spring is in my step, knowing that I can give them anything. And in terms of what these folks are going through, you know, and, and from very subtle nuancey things to, you know, big, like, like you reference in that scene. I mean, and that scene is subtle too, I think in the way that Travis explains what uh, his own heart there, but you, you know that you can give them anything and they will bring themselves 100% to it and match it and, and take it further. Is so, the, is and the, they've really inspired me. Is the first time you get to see that on screen when it airs, or are you on? Do you show up on set and watch dailies and stuff? I, I wish I, I wish I was on set, but you know, no, I'm not on set. Uh, I, you know, that's just a budgetary thing. You know, they don't fly the writer to Vancouver <laughs> from New York to Vancouver and put up the writer for several weeks. No, no. <laughs> But, uh, but I am on call during the whole time. And so when the director has a question or when, you know, Chris or Jill has a question. Yeah, I hear from Chris. <laughs> Chris texts me, too. Oh, yeah. And he'll say, hey, we're about to shoot this. What's can you explain some of the backstory about this? You know, whatever. So yeah. we're doing that. We're doing that a lot. And 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 then, of course, I watch the cut. You know, once there's a cut, I'm watching it and giving notes and feedback and stuff. So, yeah, no, I, I don't have to wait until it's. Fantastic. And just really quick, um, you uh, also, on top of everything you're doing, you wrote an Audible original book about a Buddhist detective, um, which yes. sounds uh, Amazing. fascinating. Um, how did that come to be in the midst of everything you're doing between uh, you know writing these movies and all your other stuff? Mm -hmm. How did you decide, I'm going to write a, 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 a Buddhist detective audiobook? <laughs> Well, like I referenced earlier when I was quoting the book of Matthew and, and, you know, sharing my love and respect for my Christian brothers and sisters, I am a practicing SGI Buddhist. I do chant Nam-myoho-renge-kyo every day. That's the title of the Lotus Sutra, which I chant to bring up my highest life condition, my Buddha nature. And uh, it was while I was chanting that I had, it's actually while I'm chanting that I have a lot of wow. ideas a lot of the mystery one-on-one -on -one ideas come to me while i'm chanting and so i was chanting and i suddenly this whole idea came to me about this young woman who practices sgi buddhism who chants every day and who uses her practice of chanting you know in much the way that i do to solve the mysteries of what will be on so the it's page. like early edition but instead of the newspaper it's chanting <laughs> <laughs> You mean you are you are you referencing by, by any chance the Kyle Chandler the CBS classic? show? Yes. Here's yes. the thing, man. We talk about early edition all the time, more than we ever should. It was my favorite show wow. as a kid. Wow, that's amazing, man. That's so amazing. Anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, of course, when you're chanting, you're really tuning into the universe. You know, you're listening. You're listening to the voices that are out there and in here. 
And so, yeah, I, I had the, that I had this, this, this whole sort of story came to me about this woman named Zip Ono, uh, who's a practicing Buddhist and a private detective in the, in the community where I actually live, which is in the Hudson Valley uh, of New York in Cold Spring, New York. And I just was so compelled by it. I started to write the novel and ended up getting a literary agent and, this was while, you know, of course, while I was writing Mystery 101 and uh, and then I had a relationship with somebody at Audible and said, hey, would you guys be interested in this? And they read the first few chapters and they said, oh, we're, we're hugely interested. Send us the whole manuscript. So I did. And uh, then they published it. And we had, a, you know, Alison Hiroto, who, who reads the novel, is phenomenal. It's a you know, it's a, it's really uh, went well. And, and what's I, I the name of getting, it again? It gets it. Uh, it's called Zip Ono Buddhist Detective. I mean, but come I will on. say for, I'm in. for 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 uh, any of any of our Hallmark fans listening to this, uh, <laughs> one the the one big thing I've noticed in some of the comments is some of them do not like the fact uh, that the people in this world use four letter words. Uh, so what? they are off put by that. Now, John, how dare I, I, you? I know it's. I know this. I know. <laughs> I know this is shocking to you that that people, you know, in their in their mid twenties, uh, or people in the hedge fund industry or in the in the media industry might occasionally, or maybe even more than occasionally, um, find colorful ways to express themselves. But yes, that that does happen in the book. So this is a rated. This is this book is you know I would say Mystery One Hundred One is PG thirteen and Zip Ono is is rated R. I love it. I love it. Man, I want to read that. I want to listen to it, whatever I got to do. We have an idea of, as, as an early, I, can we say this out loud or do we want to? Or is somebody going to take it? I don't do know. It. It's an early we edition. Idea, but we somebody, have an early edition reboot idea that is just dynamite. And we don't know what to do with it. We don't know what to do we with it. We don't know where to take it. But, but we I, have it. I, I think we need to, we I need think to John team can up take with John. Uh, we need to team up with John and we can we can really make this thing happen. It's a it's a banger of an really idea, good John. idea. It's a bang. We've, we 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 right. actually mentioned it to Chris when we ate <laughs> we, we ate sushi with Chris in California. This is pre COVID. We were out there doing a home and Chris and family. is just like man, we got to do something. We got to do and something. We pitched him this and he was like, "That's a great idea," which is classic Chris, as you can imagine. Yes, um, yes, he's always he's always in on everything. That's right. He's, he's always in on everything. He's yeah. the best. So yeah. we, we we're gonna have to pitch it to you off air. We don't want to give our idea okay. away. Cool, cool. But but we got to pitch it to you. I think you really love it. John, God bless you, sir. You have been amazing. You can come back anytime you want. I'd love for you to just come on and help us review a movie you Ooh, didn't write. Fun, yeah. I mean, that would be a blast. And I, I'm not oh, sure if you're up for that or not. I might get into trouble <laughs> if I do that. Um, I think you'd fit right in with us around here. I just do. You, you just are wonderful, and you were so kind and generous with your time. Thank you for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Thanks, guys. You got it. And may we be the first to wish you a Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Deck the Hallmarks of Bramble Jam podcast. It's presented by Philo TV. It's produced by Brandon Gray and recorded live in, yeah, that Greenville, South Carolina. Set decor is by Plum at Haywood Mall. For more information on Deck the Hallmark, you can go to deckthehallmark.com. For more information on Bramble Jam podcast network, you can go to bramblejampodcast.com.